Welcome to the CTO Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's chief technology officers. Looking to discover what it takes to succeed as a CTO? Then sit back and relax as we explore the fascinating evolution of the world of technology leadership. Here's the host of the CTO Podcast, the founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. Welcome to the CTO Podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Seven CTOs, Etienne de Bruin. Super excited today, Ole Dalarup, the CTO and co-founder at DreamData.io, is joining me. DreamData.io is a B2B revenue attribution platform that connects data from across your go-to-market tech stacks to offer unprecedented insights into your B2B customer journey. Yesterday, Ole and I talked about becoming a tech leader inside of a fast-growing startup. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss focusing on revenue goals with cross-functional teams. Before we get to today's interview, here's a word from seven CTOs. As a CTO, you might sometimes feel like you're on an island, but you're not alone. I've been in your shoes and I've counseled hundreds of technology leaders who've grappled with the isolation of an executive role. Seven CTOs is here to change that. We've developed CTO Levels, the world's only career development framework for technology leaders, so you can benchmark your organization against others your size. Our global peer network provides you with support, advice, and the resources you need to overcome the challenges blocking your ability to reach your goals. Ready to level up your leadership skills? Then apply to join our community of technology leaders at 7CTOs.com. That's the number 7, followed by the letters CTOS.com. Okay, here's my conversation with Ole Dalarup, the CTO and co-founder at DreamData.io. Ole, welcome back. Thank you very much. I was really fascinated by our conversation yesterday around getting some assistance, getting some help to help scale yourself inside of a startup. And also the focus you gave where was any task you do, focus on the ability for someone else to do that, not to keep building the moat around your own skills, but to how can I constantly hand it off in a reproducible way by other people. I think that was really insightful. Let's talk about this little thing called revenue. How do you focus on revenue when A, you're scaling like gangbusters and B, you're starting to hire all these people and you start to develop all these these cross-functional teams? What is the secret? I don't know if the secret is that secret, but I think it's it starts by being able to measure and linking like your functionality, so the features and the usage with actually kind of real revenue impact and sharing that with the team who builds it. Both to kind of get them a little bit of accountability. I think most people who worked in an early stage startup, they understand like if we can't move the revenue number, it kind of it starts hurting. So that number we have to move. And if the team starts better understanding, actually when I suggest to change something, well, you're suggesting to change something maybe over here in a corner that impacts no revenue. So is that a good idea? Well, maybe it's a good idea, but it has no impact. So we should, of course, talk about changing things that has a lot of revenue or things that has potential to generate a lot of revenue. And so that's kind of 
the last few years been very kind of something we focused on a lot to make sure that we deliver revenue and value, not just great ideas. Now, I agree with you in principle, but I feel like a lot of CTOs are struggling with that in practice. And I think you're right in that. It's not necessarily as easy. So first, the measurement. There's actually not that many good tools out there to do this. It was like our approach is maybe not so much kind of the product usage and then kind of measure revenue at Dream Data. It was more kind of how do we acquire customers towards revenue. But it's a little bit somewhat the same problem. Internal at Dream Data, we use our own product to actually measure the product usage with revenue. It requires that you invest a little bit of time in data modeling so that you track the usage of your product first, which I think is a dead sin if you don't do it already, then get started, right? And then you need to do a little bit of modeling that back into what happens inside the sales CM, whether that's HubSpot or Salesforce or whatever kind of people are using, so you can link it to kind of real revenue and have an understanding of what are your top features, not just by usage, but also by revenue. Yeah. So I love that. So this idea of modeling, building a data model around, I'm assuming, the feature or the action or the business value in your product, mapping that to not only, like you said, usage, but also what percentage of the subscription maybe that represents. Yes. That's fascinating. And when you get kind of this data under control, each team understands really well how they impact it. Now it's much easier to have a conversation also with the more commercial teams. So I had many times when this is something I've seen often tech or product teams have a problem. They want to obsolete a feature because there's a lot of technical depth in that feature. They don't like it. They think it's a bad feature. Great. Okay. Then they go down to custom success and say, hey, we are killing this feature. And then they start yelling right? Because everyone uses this feature. Well, I think first, I have done this many times, like in the past. That was a mistake. I was super poor and like this was inexperienced. What I should have done is look at how many customers are using it. How much revenue is this impacting? Are there any top paying customers that are using this? If this is a significant percentage of revenue, then I cannot talk about obsoleting it. Then discussion is over, right? Because it's not a using. If it's very few, and even if it's kind of some top revenue that is, it's impacting, well, now I can go down to the CS team and say, hey, I understand these customers are using it. I would like to understand why they're using it and why they're not using the new features that we want them to adopt to. Can you help me get in conversation with them, right? And all the customer success team I've ever worked with or sales team, when I sit down and say, explain, I would like to kill these features or improve it because my decision as a CTO is, hey, either I kill the feature or I spend some significant engineering resources in rebuilding it. I would much more like to build new features and sales and customer success will always agree. So we're actually on the same side. Then I get to talk with the customer and usually I learn something. Maybe I learn that we missed the functionality somewhere. Maybe I learn that actually we just need to help the customer migrate into the new thing. Could be many things, 
but usually by talking with the customer, I get the last pieces, and now I can kill the feature, or maybe go back and say, well, actually, we have to reinvest in fixing this problem. That's just how it is. So the some practical tips for the tracking, is it literally something like keep or segment where you just literally are tracking every click? I mean, my personal recommendation is to use something like segment, get it into your data warehouse, and then get things running from there. So personally, I use segment more and more as a kind of a stream into my data warehouse. Of course, I would also use a product analytics tools like Amplitude or Heap if you want. But when you want to link it to revenue, you need, I think the only solution right now is to get it into your data warehouse and then do some ETL, example, using file trends, segment, right? As well, if you're a marketing sales team already using green data, maybe you can use that. Then get it into your data warehouse and start doing the modeling. Depending on what data warehouse you're using, get DBT or data form on running so you can kind of do this at scale and build stable models. Yeah, it's inspiring in a way to hear just to relentlessly focus on customer usage, customer feedback. Ultimately, they are the people or the, those businesses are the ones paying for your service. You might as well look at what they're doing. For sure. I mean, if someone is paying and they're using something, it's information, it's insights. So talk to me about the cross-functional teams. I'm assuming you play a facilitation role then, or are you bringing everybody into the room and you're talking through stuff? Or how do you manage this? I know you spoke about what the developers want versus what the CX teams want. Yeah. So, so I think there's always kind of multiple aspects on this, right? So I think... A lot of this is for me product or product management work. But I think as a tech leader, uh, at a tech lead, engineering manager or CTO, you have to care about it a lot and like treat it as a first class citizens. So for example, I've always had a rule that if you can't track it, it's not done. So then it's not ready for production. Yeah, I love it. I and love it doesn't that. mean like I'm very loose on releasing half built things. Very, very loose. But we, if we can't track usage, there's no reason to release it, right? But I think when you want to do these kind of things, it comes in two layers. So, of course, something happens in the team. And a team for me and a cross-functional team is a product manager and a tech lead always. Then often there's a UX designer, but that depends a little bit on the team. Maybe there are other kind of cross-functional things, different skills of engineers, data scientists, software engineers, front-end engineers, whatever. But there's always a tech lead and there's always a, a product manager in a cross-functional team. And they are all responsible for making sure that the product they own, that part of the product they own, is in good shape from a technical perspective and adds value to the customers. So they want to like slim down and make sure the, the technology is good while they also kind of deliver value to the customers. And so very often these teams want to build new functionality because customers are requesting that. They're either directly requesting it or indirectly requesting a new functionality. As a leader, I have to kind of make sure that when we have all hands type of meetings, gathering together either the entire company or just tech to make sure it's a focus to talk about revenue and usage. So it's something I bring up as, uh, hey, this team actually managed to move the, the needle or get more customers to use this functionality. This new feature is impacting 50% of revenue, right? So 
I kind of want to spend some time making sure I mention these things so that everyone's here. I'm talking about it and see it's important, but I can't drive all the details operationally. This is about hiring and making sure, in particular, the tech leader and product managers understand it is not okay not to track this, right? And that's not something you can just, eh, I'll do that tomorrow. No, that's probably not a good idea. That's today, right? The impact that it's had on your product decision must have been profound. Very much. I started doing this while at Trustpilot. And here we went from often having, I wouldn't call it conflict, but at least discussions of what we should do to now much easier being able to navigate within the teams between silos, right, uh, commercial teams and more kind of tech and product teams. And also a place where it ended up in initially I or Lars, who was the head of product, always had to be involved. Now the individual product managers could manage it, right? So we could actually like get them to do it. It is also their job, but it became political when it was opinion driven, right? And now it creates often natural decisions and natural discussions. Like, should we do this? Is this a good idea? Well, how much does it impact? Nothing. Okay. Well, then let's save the idea for another day, but probably not now, right? Yeah. I mean, you can still add a dollar value to the impact, even if it isn't immediate. So I think it's not necessarily that you have to be black and white that, hey, it has to impact something now or it has to for sure impact something. But you have to at least be able to reason that it will impact something, right? At least that's kind of how I like to do it. The larger the investment, the more you want to be sure, right? So if it's, uh, hey, let's spend a couple of days, well, let's not discuss it so much. Hey, let's spend two weeks or two months. And in a startup, it's two weeks, right? So, but as we grow, it becomes a little bit larger periods. But then we say, well, actually, let's do some tests. Let's see if people want to do this before we build it. And to let's see if people want to do this, is that through surveys? Uh, is that the customer conversations you have? So that could be many ways. I think definitely you could do surveys sometimes. I like sometimes also to fake doors inside the product. But most of all, I like to talk with customers and hear them commit, say, hey, yes, I would buy that. Yeah, and I think the challenge there is just that we don't always know if the customer really knows what they think they want. So here we can do some things. So if you talk with the customers often enough and some of the same customers, you get to know them and you get to kind of get a feeling around this. What you, of course, can do, and that's where the designer in particular comes in, you might want to do mock-ups what you're considering building, right? That's relatively cheap. And then you start showing the customer that. And then my experience is that sometimes you can uh, actually get them to pay right away. And that's a good idea because that proves, hey, I mean, if they give you money now, like even if it's small change, then okay, then they mean it. They want to have it, right? But else a little of intent to buy. My experience is also that customers do not sign a letter of intent to buy unless they actually mean it, even if it's non-legal binding. That wraps up this episode of the CTO podcast. Thanks to Ole Dalarup, CTO and co-founder at dreamdata.io for joining us. If you'd like to contact Ole, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. 
where his handle is Ole Dalarup, O-L-E-D-A-L-L-E-R-U-P, or visit his company website at dreamdata.io. And don't forget to visit 7CTOs.com for support, advice, and resources from our exclusive community of technology leaders. If you're ready to elevate your leadership skills, go to 7CTOs.com to apply to join our network of over 200 technology leaders. That's the number seven, followed by the letters CTOS.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to CTOPod.com where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your stories of technical strategy and leadership in the C-suite, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the CTO podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is 7CTOS on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or if you want to contact me directly, my handle is E-T-D-E-B-R-U-I-N at De Bruin. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of CTO brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that if things aren't breaking, your company isn't growing. 